Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the latest episode of HR Tech Chat. And with me today, we have Mimi Brooks, uh, who is a the, the, excuse me, the founder and CEO of Logical Design Solutions. And I'm looking forward to speaking with her today around the ideas of a digital transformation and employee experience uh against the backdrop i think of the uh of the pandemic but let's not get ahead of ourselves welcome thank you mimi for uh, joining us thanks brent it's a pleasure to be here thanks for having me yeah absolutely i'm really looking forward to our discussion uh, because this is this is a particularly um apt uh, uh topic right now i mean we're right in the midst of things maybe we could start off with you uh if you wouldn't mind just Cluing our re uh, our readers, our viewers, <laughs> into um, uh, just just what it is that you folks do at Logical Design Solutions. Um, I, I think that might be a great place to start. Sure, sure. So Brent, we're a uh, a management consultancy, and we work with large global organizations on their digital strategies when they're trying to use digital to create organizational change. So, you know, how can we create a strategy where our investments in digital come together to create an employee, and I would say increasingly worker experience, you know, that moves the needle towards the organizational capabilities that we're trying to develop for our future workforce. So we're very future focused in terms of org of the future, workforce of the future, and then trying to use digital experiences and capabilities to help accelerate that change. Okay, interesting. Uh very interesting. I have two questions uh, right off the bat, and uh, I think this might be interesting. So one is, I heard you self, I heard you correct yourself. Uh, you said employees, and you said increasingly workers. Yeah. I don't think you weren't really uh, correcting yourself, but that was really interesting. So A, and I'm curious what if you mean. Um, well, let's let's sit on that for a little bit. Um, do you mean the gig economy? I, that's what I'm guessing you mean. Well, I think it's a great question because you know. Um, I mean, we've been talking about the employee experience for about 12 years now. You know, the fact that it's become quite a hot topic, you know, in organizations, I think, you know, um, propelled by COVID and some other factors, you know, doesn't make it necessarily a new concept, right? And so I think that um, that if we think about the employee experience historically as trying to deliver on these capabilities where I'm a member of an organization, you know, me as a member, help me find things I need, help me understand my eligibility for things, help me uh, become a part of the organization. I think that what we're seeing, um, Brent, is a move towards employee experience plus productivity and experiences in the context of work. So I like to say worker experience because it could be whomever and wherever work gets done. Gig economy, yes, you know, contractors that are functioning as integral members, partners, because I think about the business as an increasing digital ecosystem, the humans that are in it, you know, as associates or workers, who are trying to be productive in the context of work as well as be a member. So I think that we're seeing a transition, my language from the employee experience to you know, uh, a homogenous worker experience as we solve important problems of productivity. That's that's uh, I think you're right. You know, I agree with you and, and not to get off on too much of a tangent here because I have another question um, uh, that that 
did I manage not to lose uh, what in my head while we were talking there? Um, but we talk not to get on too much of a tangent here, but 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 there is, I think, a a, a an evolution, an undeniable one around just what it means to be the the relationship between. Let's put it this way: the relationship between an an organization. Um, I'm not even going to say employer, an organization with a mission and the people who contribute to its um, to its mission. Right. Undoubtedly. And, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I frankly, I've been trying to figure out, you know, on my own in conversations with folks, what, what's what's the new nomenclature? Like, what's the new lexicon? What's the new word? The new parlance? Right. Is uh, talent seems to be a good one, although it would be great to move away from that term, too. Um, but 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 it, it, it is interesting. And and, um, and and we won't go any further down that rabbit hole right now because it inevitably leads to AI and that's that's always a day long conversation. So we'll <laughs> stay away from that for now. But but I do want to go back. So I was very interested to hear uh, what what you meant by that. So thanks for sharing. Going back to digital transformation, though, and using digital transformation to 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 influence or have an impact on organizational transformation. Right. Um, um, so I'm just going to just lay it out here from what I understand from what I've heard is that well let's put it this way let me ask a question which you think this is a real chicken and the egg question I think you know which comes first organizational change or digital change or or can it happen either way is it is it bilateral can it, it just depends on the situation well um it's a good question um so here's how I think about it I think there's multiple doors into the same party here, honestly, but this is the door that I would come in from. Um, in working with a lot of the organizations, enterprises that we have for a bunch of years now, <laughs> you know, we first started seeing digital transformation, you know, in about 2008 or so, you know, as enterprises were bringing in technology, digital, social, cloud, you know, analytics, et cetera, all right about bubbling around that 2008, 2010 time period. And um, I think digital transformation came first because people bought the technology first. I mean, the human sure. behavior was to buy the technology. And we <laughs> thought that if we bought digital technologies that we would become digital native companies as a way of working. And that's what didn't work, right, Brent? That's what didn't work. You know, they were good purchases. They were good capital expenditures. They created infrastructure that was needed. So not like, you know, throwing, you know, water on it. All I'm saying is that, you know, after like the first, you know, X number of years, 10 years or so of that, we realized that organizational transformation was not going to be a natural byproduct of the technologies that we bought. And we needed to start really focusing on the idea that it was about people and organizations and organizations with purpose and culture that binds. And, you know, so it became appropriately so organizational transformation. So I think it went, you know, left to right following that, because I think that's how we instantiated those ideas into the business. Uh, this is making a lot of sense to me now. Yeah, it, there's, yeah. It, there's a lot of um, extant um, digital uh, in the way of uh, many extant digital tools in there uh, 
at organizations uh, far, far and wide, right? And and these have been invested in. There's sunk costs. They're there, right? And um, and and we thought they these organizations thought that these tools would essentially sort of um, not well facilitate. They knew they would facilitate, but they didn't know if it would would. They thought it would spawn organizational right. uh, transformation right. didn't necessarily and so there is a there is absolutely a need um, to to help these organizations figure out how to um, transform their 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 culture um, to 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 be more amenable to to be more open receptive to using these tools so that these tools can be used to their uh, fullest extent and th and then then becomes yeah. i guess maybe a virtuous circle at that point right i think so you know i think that um hence why right brett in the last five years there isn't a conference industry conference that you show up to where culture isn't big on the agenda right yeah. i mean everybody started doing the culture is the glue which really makes a ton of sense but you know as we in my opinion as we evolve these models you know what we're finding is that culture really needs to become two things purposeful in terms of the business it goes up to purpose and then it goes slightly down to ways of working in other words culture alone as a commitment idea you know isn't the isn't the gap closer the gap closer is organizational purpose that makes people feel that their personal purpose belongs in this company. I belong here. That's why they're leaving to go places that they think they belong to better. And then in addition to that, from a digital experience, we've got to turn culture into ways of working. So I think that what's happening is digital transformation becomes organizational transformation, becomes human centricity in how we think about our operating models. And now we start developing capabilities and ways of working that we didn't have before. Now we can start putting stuff together. Yeah, maybe you could share with us just, uh, um, I, I love when we were sort of uh, discussing what we wanted to talk about um, before we decided to have the uh, the episode here. One of the things that you mentioned and, and I really thought it was interesting was, you know, that COVID was an accelerator yeah. of this and you know it, it, I just want to take this opportunity as as a, um, a shameless opportunity to share my own idea around that you know I've been calling COVID-19 the whole pandemic the shutdowns I mean it's almost like a wormhole to the future of work <laughs> it, for the Star Trek you know nerds out there and I'm actually not a huge Star Trek fan but I picked up a few things because my father was is um and uh but one of the things is the wormhole is a thing when you're in in your uh, traveling in space it's something to do with the space-time continuum because i'm not a I'm, I'm not a physics person so i but i understand that it it shortens time so that you can get someplace a lot qu quicker than you would have and you use you utilize the uh, momentum of space or whatever so i think in late 2019 we had no clue how much closer to the future of work we'd be by two, late 2021 than we actually are now. <laughs> in late two, we're so much closer yeah. to the future of work than we thought we'd be. Um, that's that's how I put it, but it, it has been an accelerator. Maybe you can just uh, delve into that a little bit around how has it, um, how has it um, um, uh, changed attitudes around employee experience and vis-a-vis uh, -vis organizational yeah. transformation and digital uh, digital transformation yeah so such a great question 
You know, um, just if I can, you know, I can say that I think that the backdrop before COVID, um, Brent, was digital transformation, right, which was already exponential and combinatorial in terms of how the technologies were going to accelerate on top of each other. You know, they combine, they accelerate, and that is essentially digital transformation, game-changing advanced digital technologies combined with, you know, human behavior, you know, and other societal issues, right? And we get this exponential change. So I think that was the backdrop. And then to your point, like you say, wormholes, I think that's an interesting analogy. You know, I think of them as tipping points. And I think it's similar, you know, in terms of, of the phenomena that you're pointing to. So sometimes Sometimes things seem to start out gradually, 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 yeah. and then they tip, you know what I mean? And then they tip. Yeah. And sometimes there are accelerators to tipping things. And that's how I look at COVID. You know, it was, we were cooking, we were cooking. It had to tip at some point. It had to tip at some point. And then COVID really spilled, you know, the beans on the floor here. And I think that yeah. when it did that, right, it tipped because it created, you know, motivation and context, the motivation for people to adopt tools and ways of working that we might have been spoon feeding them expecting change mm -hmm. to happen under a normal longer term idea of change you know that yeah. accelerates on itself right and uh so i think it created motivation you know for leaders especially people say workers leaders in a lot of ways Brenna, leaders mm -hmm. in a lot of ways became you know the advocates and the folks that finally you know let the handcuffs off and let the teams work right so um so leaders you know in combination with um i think context so motivation and context plus tipping points to me you know can do kind of crazy things and i think we're you know we're seeing that on the back of of course a highly unfortunate you know event so um yeah. so yeah i do think it was it was an accelerator but you know i think sometimes people view the accelerator you know without seeing the backdrop that was being accelerated which mm -hmm. is digital transformation you know what i mean like yeah. you have, to have yes. the backdrop otherwise what are you talking about you know <laughs> yeah it it did spur um uh, additional investment in uh in uh, digital tools designed to you know um uh facilitate um um interactivity and collaboration and communication yeah. between employees, uh, which is what I understand uh, digital transformation to mean within the context of HCM. Um, beyond beyond pulling yourself out of the Paleolithic era and, and getting a, an actual HCM system in place, which is what a lot of smaller businesses deal with. Um, I'm curious, though, in terms of uh, uh, so so first of all, it's it's interesting, right? just to sit on that for a minute you know COVID-19 the whole the pandemic is very interesting how um, there was a lot of lip service paid to the idea that the employee experience mattered right yeah. before and we were talking about yeah. you know I think it was um, Gallup has been measuring employee engagement which is an expression of employee sentiment um, for you know two decades now since 2000 or 2001, something like that. And yeah. so it was very much on the radar. And a lot of people were kind of paying lip service to it, thinking, oh, eventually I'm going to have to spend some more time 
uh, focused on this. And then, but maybe, or maybe just thinking, oh, I can just hold, keep this as bay, at bay if I talk about it, but I don't have to invest too much in it or whatever, uh, because it doesn't, it, maybe there was an attitude that ah, it doesn't really, really matter, right? You know, we have to do these mm -hmm. other things instead. Mm -hmm. Then COVID-19 happened and everyone goes to uh, work from home and all of a sudden it's like, this is the thing that matters, you know, all of a sudden, oh gosh, well, we have to do this in order to remain productive and all that. I just, I found that uh, kind of um, amusing. To, to be honest, in, in retrospect, right? Uh, I, I think it was a huge idea. You know, um, as a company that uh, for over 25 years, we've done inside the enterprise for workers only, but that's all we've ever done. We never did B2E, you know, we do B2C, B2B2C in that context, but never B2E. And, um, you know, uh, those budgets, the priorities, you know, were always second class to the customer experience, always. Um, yeah. And I do think, to your point, that uh, that's probably the most significant tip, you know, as a result of COVID. And it's the recognition that, um, and it's really an operating model idea. It's a business model idea. You know, mm -hmm. people, workers at the center of the business model, it, it's, it, it's literally the design now. And it's because, right, to your earlier point, you know, the more and more that we level out on technology, the more our value proposition re requires human ingenuity, you know, and our, and that's what we need, right? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And also some intentionality, right? Because there's, there's, a, there's an inclination, I think, and uh, I don't think we can really blame anybody. It's just yeah. you know, get into this tunnel thinking, but there's an inclination to forget that the business is the people. <laughs> I mean, there are some business models that, that you know, conceivably it could just be um, all, you know, mechanized or robots delivering, you know, food at a fast food joint or whatever, right? And there's very few people involved and there might be a market for some of those things, right? But most, a lot of businesses, you know, it's it, even though the, the big um, objective in business goal is to make profits and you know and, and make money, right? There's in that pursuit, there's there's a there's a tendency to forget that, that, yeah, but your business is nothing without its people, right? The people are what constitutes the business, and so yeah. it's it's almost a it's almost like a um, an exist existential question, and we you know and. and uh, one thing that I wanted to just ask, though, is um, just thinking about organizational transformation, right? What, what are some of the specific things that organizations are thinking when they when they have a vision? Oh, we need to transform our organization, yeah. our organizational culture. What what do they mean by that? What what are they trying to move away from, and what is the sort of the um, the ideal vision of typically of what they're looking for? Well, you know, I think it's funny because what you were talking about right before you went into this was this idea of, you know, but, you know, didn't people know that, you know, people were the big difference in their business all along, yeah. right? But if you look at our organizational systems and structures, they're hierarchical and people are at the bottom. Like it doesn't, you know, they're at the bottom, you know, of the, <laughs> of the hierarchy by design, you know, like emphatically by design, um, undeniably by design. And so I think that what 
um, Charos are trying to do in alignment with the CEO's objectives in terms of transforming the business. That's where I think it's coming from. Marketplace disruption, business transformation, you know, organizational transformations, I think the line of sight. And what they're trying to do is build really horizontal capabilities, not vertical capabilities. So what does that mean? Cross-functional teams, for example, autonomous teams, for example, changing role of leaders, you know, where leaders are less in a command and control idea and they're more in a, let me model what good looks like and how we enable teams to really be effective. Um, how we think about combining the ideas of people's experiences, you know, with newfound business insights that are data driven. How do I put those two things together so that people make better decisions? So I really think that organizationally what we're trying to do is to swim against our long instantiated vertical structures that are very BU centric or department centric or whatever, you know, in order to create, you know, horizontal context, you know, ways of working, culture, horizontal, you know, collaboration, horizontal, leadership, horizontal, you know, cross-functional, horizontal, diversity, horizontal, like take any of those and um, we're reconstructing the organization to be fit for the future. We're literally reconstructing it to be fit for the future where yeah. digital maturity is a, is a backdrop you know, of um, of a driver that's just simply going to be, you know, um, an integral part of how we work from the actors in the ecosystem, humans and machines, to all the other things that you want to talk about. So that's what we do a lot. A lot of what we're doing is coming in and meeting with the Charo or, you know, um, the owner of culture or the chief transformation officer or all of them who are collaborating, frankly, more than they ever have before, which is great as we try to break down silos and build organizational capabilities that are horizontal. It's a good place to start. Yeah, uh, you know what you mentioned uh, breaking down silos, and um, and, I, and I think you mean in uh, within the C-suite, um, especially not not only, but 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 definitely right. And um, have you uh, you must have heard of this, or well, I just stumbled across it by by uh, accident, and it's like, oh wow, that's actually kind of like something I was thinking. And I, but then I, and then I thought to myself, well, of course somebody thought of somebody else thought of it first, right? That's how. I, but Accenture came out with an idea a couple years ago, 2019, um, the summer of 2019. Is the idea is whole brain leadership, and it's um, this idea that uh, you know that there are, there's a, sort of a left brain and a right brain um, in the uh, in the uh, in any given C-suite person, right? And they're, they're more, it, and the idea is that the best leaders, <clears throat> this was the idea, the best, this was the idea, excuse me, that the best I, the best leaders in organizations are able to, to um, combine their left brain and right brain thinking. And, and I looked into left brain and right brain, brain and I found, I learned that um, that is actually a somewhat discredited um uh, hypothesis about how the mind works, but but it doesn't mean that it's not a, still a good metaphor or analogy, right? That, that there's the right brain thinking is more uh, creative, left brain is more you know um, analytical and math based, numbers based, and so they came up that 
leaders that have a more of a of an integrated whole brain approach to their leadership, those organizations perform better along various uh, commonly understood indicators of organizational success. So it, I found it so interesting um, that uh, this was a little bit of a leap. But when you mentioned that that all these folks in the C-suite are are essentially or, or you know vice presidents as uh senior yeah. vice presidents and c-level people they're collaborating more um kind of cross training if you will uh cross pollination there to make sure that the that the, the culture improves well it kind of fits in with this idea that 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 we have at 360 insights that you know the c-suite has their more left brain thinking uh c-suite executives and more right brain thinking c-suite executives uh so you know, the CHRO might be uh, considered to be maybe more of a, a people person uh, if you're going into HR or, or certainly the chief people officer, right? Whereas you look at a CFO, very, very uh, left brain, right? Very much numbers based and all that sort of thing. And if you're, if you're an organization, you want those folks, uh, you want all your left brain, more left brain inclined and more right brain inclined C-suite executives collaborating, working together as, as, as a whole so that the so that the C-suite is um, being as um, whole brain, as much of a whole brain leader for the organization as possible, if you will, right? So I just thought that was interesting, uh, going back to your idea of getting these different um, stakeholders in organizational leadership uh, working together and that that's a good thing. Um, yeah, and, 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 and it, is, it, is about, um, it is about horizontal structures, mm -hmm. right? It Moving is, away yeah. from hierarchy. And that was the one other thing that really struck me about what you said is, you know, we have, uh, from what I've read and what I, you know, go down the rabbit hole on YouTube with some of these, um, uh, these folks in there, right? And what I understand is that our, 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 our tendency as humans is to be hierarchical and that. So it's, so it's, it's kind of an uphill battle to, to combat that. But it's but but the um, but the, uh, the potential yield for that is 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 very very positive. So maybe maybe yeah. you could um, maybe maybe you could expound on that a little bit. Well, let me say um, so. You know, you touched on a, a a lot of important points. I think to your to the start of the discussion on the Accenture model that you that you refer to. Um, I think that there's a lot of you know really good and useful um, thinking around how we redefine, you know, the role of leaders, you know, um, from our closest to the front line people leaders to, you know, our strategic leaders, you know, that operate across the organization. So I think that makes a whole lot of sense because as you know, you know, no sustainable change is gonna happen unless we get leaders leading it for all the obvious reasons. So I think that's a, that's a big idea. You know, I think though, um, just to take one, one piece of what you're saying, Brent, is that I feel that there's never been a time that I can really think of outside of, you know, a few, you know, catastrophic um, event times, 9-11, other things like this, which I'll, I'll let yeah. go, um, that, you know, that we've seen such an honest, you know, attempt by leaders to build a horizontal uh, capabilities across the organization. You know, they all, I really believe, realize now, you know, that they simply must create capabilities that they don't have today in order to be competitive, you know, in this 
fast running, you know, digital economy that we're living in. I think they all get that. The CEOs get it. You know, they certainly get it. And I think the issue now is how to do that, not if we should do that, you know, um, and when we should have done it. And the answer is we're running a little late here, you know, um, but what's the best way to do it? So I think that there's universal agreement, you know, that you can say, let's pick the, you know, the critical business capabilities that we need to, to build that align, you know, most critically to our business model and focus on those. And I think you get a lot of people, you know, pricking their finger on that, you know, relative mm -hmm. to, um, to a good idea and the Charo leading it on behalf of the organization, which is why you have to get to the worker experience that you and I were talking about before, <laughs> yeah. because the people that are running those lines of business need help in how their business works. They don't need help sign, signing people up for benefits. They need help in how their business works. You know what I mean? And yeah. retaining those capabilities. So I think it's promising, um, but I think we need good um, operating strategies for how to do that. Mm. Yeah. I agree with you. And, 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 and the, um, the, the, the benefit to it is you have um, far more talent mobility in your organization within the organization so that you can you can build the teams you need for the realities that the organization faces at any given moment right so you have more flexibility and uh, agility right these it's are true in hiring too right Brent? it's true in hiring too you know you can now hire out of adjacent markets you know, yeah. you can you can hire from industries that you never considered hiring from before because you change a bit of the prioritization, you know, of long tenured industry skills to, you know, some of these, you know, either leadership or, or durable skills or cultural skills or some of the other things. So it opens up a lot of opportunities now that we can think broad, you know, think broadly about how we, you know, want to structure our workforce. We've had some conversations on. Uh, I'm so glad you brought that up because we've had some conversations uh, lately on on the podcast around, um, you know, hiring for soft skills as opposed to uh, falling back on sort of old think eligibility requirements and these sorts of things, and looking more or seeing past performance as an necessarily an indicator of of future success. Yeah. Um, as opposed to you know hiring for soft skills, and we don't you know, and what we think we no, what we think we know, what we believe we know, uh, is our factors in, in a person's ability to be a leader aren't ness, usually aren't actually the the um, the factors. So you know, yeah, there's yeah, a lot to be said. Yeah, a lot to be said around even psychometrics, uh, modern psychometrics, and all of that, and AI helping to taxonomize or excuse me to um, to create a, an, an, an ontology, excuse me, of, a, of an organization's internal skills so that you know who you need to hire, soft skills, right? Uh, so that you know who you need to hire externally versus who you might have internally that, that might uh, benefit from a leadership um, um, uh, role. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I see that. I see that a lot. And as you know, these changes come with, you know, two steps forward, one step back idea. But I think that that's the sign of the times that we live in, right? I mean, it's true for workers um, as an adaptability idea. It's true for leaders. Like we all have to be comfortable in taking the first step without necessarily knowing, you know, where the next step goes. I mean, that's just where we are. Yeah, you just have to, um, 
uh, you know, take a take a leap of faith uh, in a sense as an organization and uh, and um, and believe in your organizational uh, uh, transformation. Uh, maybe we should. Uh, conclude there that's actually pretty that was, that was pretty deep um uh, <laughs> thank you so much mimi uh for for joining us today it's been a real pleasure to have you on the podcast thank you so much this was fun Brent. i really i really appreciate it so thanks for your time and maybe we'll see you again another time oh yeah absolutely take care bye-bye take care bye-bye